And now it's time for Eastcast and reports from coastal stations. East Utsira, West Utsira, South West Utsira and North North East Utsira. Wind South West, rain at times, good. Forties, fifties, sixties, Tyne, Dogger, German Bite, French Kiss and Swiss Roll. Westerly becoming cyclonic, good. Right here in London's East End. Operating at any level, any time, anywhere, and with anybody. Who are they? One might be your secretary, your doctor's receptionist, or a dancer in a go-go club. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Now, now, now. Hello and welcome to Eastcast. We come together once a fortnight to bring you the best in arts and culture happening all across East London. I'm Nia Charpentier and I'm here with the rest of the Eastcast lot. That's Pearl Wise, Anna Xavier and Martha McAlpine and our new resident art specialist Zoe Bryant. Welcome Zoe. What have you got in store for us today? I'm going to be talking about art in East London, um, particularly First Thursdays, which is the Time Out um, Whitechapel Gallery collaboration that's very exciting. I'm kind of like the, those people. They always go there. I'm like, it's like the preacher, and and I, I always go. I don't care. You always it's wonderful. go. Anna. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Anna's excited anyway. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm excited. I need to go to first Thursday, so looking forward to that. Um, we've also got uh, Sean Preston and Piers Pereira joining us very shortly in the studio to tell us about uh, their open literature magazine, Open Pen. Yeah, we are really looking forward to that. And um, Melanie, she actually she actually discovered a new venture on Fish Island in Hackneywick. And we also like to keep you updated on the best gigs happening in East London. So now it's time to pass you over to Pearl Wise, our music expert. Mm, not sure about expert, but um, I have been scouring the eastern horizon for some nice sounds to introduce you to. Um, some of the bands um, I've played before on the show, others I haven't. So today we'll be hearing sounds um, by Only Real, Brant Brow Frick, Shy Nature and let's kick off with Courtney Barnett's Anonymous Club. Oh 
So that was Anonymous Club by Courtney Barnett from her A Sea of Split Peas EP. Um, I featured this Australia singer-songwriter on the show a couple of months back and she's getting quite a lot of deserved attention. She's I've seen posters splashed around the tube, so she's um, yeah she's getting some media attention there. Um, she's actually playing at Field Day on Saturday the 7th of June. Oh, Field Day, exciting. We'll all be there, won't we? <laughs> right, thanks, Pearl. That's amazing. Um, we're joined in the studio now by Sean and Piers from Open Pen, uh, London's first open literature magazine. Really exciting. Um, thanks for joining us, guys. How are you doing? Not so bad. Good to be here. Good. Yeah, good. Good, good. Um, we wanted to ask, what exactly is open literature? What does it mean? Uh, well, it's not actually a new concept at all. I just put a name to it. Um, obviously, a lot of literary magazines are, are themed, and you know, every month or every issue, you've got something else that you've got to work with and write with. And I, I do like that. But when I was when I was writing, I was always you know, I was always just kind of writing what I wanted to write at the time, and I always thought that was my best work. So I thought that it made sense for it to be a magazine that would showcase that that people writing at the you know what they really want to write at that time. Rather than being kind of um, edited down or, or restricted. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of time you find that what happens with these themed uh, issues and theme nights and that sort of thing is people just rewrite something they've already written um, you know, to, to make sense. So if it's about, let's say, um, the beach, then you know you, you, you have a story that doesn't really have any relevance to beaches whatsoever and all of a sudden it's thrown in there. And you can kind of sense that it is a lot of the time as well. So it's just, I mean, they are, you know, they're, they're good for what they are. But for, for me personally, I really wanted to make something that was separate from that. It was just about the freedom of writing and that sort of thing. So it's very much a broad spectrum to write, allow people to express themselves in whatever way they like. And um, when was Open Pen established or why was it, why was it established? Um, well, I sort of touched on why it was established then, but, but it was, let's see, end of 2010 that I really started to think about doing it. Um, and then we had our first issue in April 2011. But it's one of those things that I kind of I wanted to do it for a lot longer than that. And I thought, when I've got more time and when, I've, when it's easy for me to do so and more money to, to get it started, then you know, I'll do it. But I realised that that sort of time doesn't really actually ever come about. So I'll just get going with it, which is what I did. So can anyone submit or are there certain yeah, criteria? Yeah. I mean, we get a lot of people uh, asking, is it OK if I submit from Oxford and that sort of thing? And it's like, yes, it's absolutely fine. Anywhere in the world is fine. We've got some, uh, we've had some very interesting characters submitting. We've had people from Australia. We've had people from abroad submitting. Uh, we've had lecturers and universities, a massive broad spectrum of people who basically are, are centre stuff. And it's, we, we had people who basically are professional writers, and some people it's like their first time <clears throat> actually finding a chance to express their voice. And some of that stuff is really amazing because it breaks uh, the boundaries you'd expect for writing. Because they're doing something where... First one to do it, they don't know the so-called rules. You can't see it. There are quotation marks floating around my head there. And so um, they actually end up creating something which is new, different, and that's the most exciting stuff for us. Yeah, it's not, it's not often... We do have you know, a lot of writers, as you say, who are from you know, more uh, traditional writing backgrounds, but um, a lot of the stuff that we try and put in there is to get that mix is... Uh, things that you wouldn't necessarily see come out of a sort of creative writing course and that sort of thing. So the magazine is very much an open thing and I just try and get as much in there that's, that's got range to it as possible. So you're both writers? One more so than the other, and that one being me. But Piers, you have tried your hand here, haven't you? Yeah, uh, unfortunately chubby fingers, so it's really hard to actually yeah. get the letters to make sense. Struggles with keyboards. Um, I focus on spoken words and Sean focuses on prose, short stories and... Stuff which he's very, very proud of, as he will constantly tell you. Well, we're going to hear a story very shortly, so that's quite exciting. But um, just on to your events, because I actually met you guys um, during, a, during an Open Pen event. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to hear a bit about the events, um, what's, uh, what's coming up. It's a weird one with events, because actually, when I first started, I was like, I don't want, any, I don't want to be online at all, I don't want to do any, anything live, I just want it to be this print thing um, that you see every, every now and again in libraries and bookshops and that sort of thing. But as you go on, you think, oh, well, I need to do that to get publicity. And the same with live events, really, is that I did start doing events because I, was, I thought that, well, we need to have, sort of get out there and have a physical presence. It was strange, because when we first started out, one of the key things was... You wanted it to be in print, and you wanted it to be, in a way, promoting independent bookstores as well, because print is something which we felt, we felt was dying, and then, in the end, 
kind of sold out slightly by going on. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> in, in doing so, it's been great. I mean, the events have been, uh, for me, the highlight of doing the magazine over the last year, year and a half. Um, it's a lot of what we do is supporting aspiring writers. So part of that, you know, is about bringing them into a community of writers and that sort of thing. Something they wouldn't necessarily have done otherwise. So the events are the only way for us to do that, which is what, as I say, it's been a real highlight over the last year and a half. Um, you've brought a copy of the magazine in, and I've noticed that it's free. So how do you finance this? It's at first very difficultly. Uh, with great difficulty, I should say. And then uh, as we've gone on, um, it's sort of advertising has been, we've managed to get about uh, in that way. But obviously the events as well, what the, the silver lining to those is that um, obviously it's, they're, they're paid events. So we, we charge a fee for people to come um, unless you're reading, obviously. Uh, so they've been able to support at least, you know, um, the magazine in, did you manage to cover all your? I imagine there's a lot of time and energy that goes into. Yeah, I mean, I guess you couldn't together. really say I cover my costs in that way in my own yeah. personal time. But as far as the actual print run and that sort of thing and promotion, it's covered in advertising and the live events. And a round afterwards. We normally can afford at least one round. Yeah, yeah, generally we, get, we can get That's one round. pretty in. impressive. <laughs> and um, with, with the events, can anyone come in and, and read, a, read a story or read something they've written? Yeah, so the events have progressed, haven't they? So that. Um, there are people just reading the people in the magazine of that issue. They read their pieces, and then outside of that, we have something called War of the Words, which peers will probably tell you have a better idea of what that's all about. Well, this is an idea which uh, we developed the idea of um, the art of short storytelling. So, War of the Words, the idea of telling a story in 150 words or less, which actually turns out to be really difficult because you want to embellish, you want to make this beautiful story, but the art of basically getting it into that uh, short time means one. A lot of people get to talk, chance to talk. People who would think, like, I never have time to write a story, thinking, oh, 150 words, is a chance to do it. Yeah. And it really shows off the art of storytelling. So we have that. Anyone can enter. They can enter on a night or notify us beforehand on the website. Um, and we also do a few a few other things. We've got filthy fiction. Yeah. Way best, like I said. Which, again, is to give it a bit more range. Uh, but it's, that's sort of more of a comedy spot than anything else. But obviously, we like to think of it as literary comedy. But yeah, as, yeah, as, good question because uh, it's, it's where people know him, that if you if you if you're starting to write something like that, it's a really good platform to come and try. try it out. I love the idea of 150 words, and I think you know we're the Twitter generation, aren't we? Where people can write 120 characters and say something in a short you know sentence. So you know, 150 words is is is, is, is not too difficult. That's it. It's really big. I, right I now. reckon it'd be really difficult. <laughs> To edit it down, because I'd want to write loads. And yeah. I'm just trying to down. encourage some budding writers out <laughs> yeah. there, you know. <laughs> I believe it was, was Ernest Hemingway who came up with the shortest story. Yeah, the five-word story, wasn't it? He had a challenge. Um, if he challenged himself or placed a bet on himself that he couldn't write a story in five words, and in the end he just wrote, uh, for sale, baby shoes, never worn. Which actually might be six words. It's six yeah. words, but you know, he didn't quite get there, but I'm sure it was six words to begin with. So, so much in just a few words, yeah. Um, so, story, we're on to story, and Piers, you're going to read. Um, do you want to introduce yep. the story? This story is in uh, issue 11, uh, available in all good independent bookstores, and it's called Bird Watching, and it's by Anton Rose. The body falls towards the river, cutting a pattern through the rain. It hits the water, and I shiver. I wipe the raindrops off my binoculars and focus on the spray. The entry was messy, with no great shape to the dive. A six, perhaps, and that's being generous. More like a five and a half, and now I think about it. As it fell, the arms began to flail, as if in a tragic moment of doubt. Too late. I didn't get a look at its face. Judging by the shape, I guess it was a girl. But it's difficult to tell in these conditions. Questions like that don't seem to matter now anyway. Now the body is one with the water. The height of the drop from the bridge is enough to ensure there'll be no thrashing underneath, no final Desperate fights as bodily instincts take over. Several broken bones, yes. Often a severed spine. From that high up, even the smoothest looking water is like concrete. In a few hours, someone will begin to worry. 
That's if there's anyone to worry, of course. But most people have at least one other person who might notice their absence. Then there will be telephone calls to waterlogged phones with no answer, attempts at contact over email, social media. There'll be wild swings between doubt and reassurance, or thinking the worst and holding on to hope. Eventually, there'll be calls to relatives, to colleagues, and finally to the police. Then search parties and posters and lampposts. Occasionally, even an appeal in the local news. Depending on the weather, the body might turn up downstream, but most will be swept out into the estuary and beyond. Today is the fourteenth of February. My favourite day of the year. Christmas is a good one too, and New Year's Eve is usually reliable. But there's nothing quite so powerful as loneliness magnified by a day of cards, flowers, and displays of affection all partaken in by other people. Lost in my appreciation of the performance, I failed to notice a man walking towards me. I'm standing next to a large iron girder, at the point which several struts intersect. I thought I was well out of sight. Apparently not. The man looks at me suspiciously, but there's nothing in his eyes to indicate he saw what I just did. He must have missed her go. He's wearing a high visibility jacket over some dark blue overalls. The rain splatters against his hood, which he lifts slightly to get a good look at me. Can I ask what you're doing here? He says, raising his voice to compete with the weather.、Uh, bird watching. I reply, "You what? The bird watching, looking out for rare birds." I know what bird watching is. He says. He narrows his eyes. I reach into my pocket and pull out a small, well-worn book, Scotland's Best Birds. I open it at a page where the corner is turned in, and I hand it to him. He holds it in his right hand, his thumb pressed against the inner spine. With his left, he tries to shield the pages. White-throated needletail, I say. This is the best time of year to see them, and they love this kind of weather. He stares at the book for another minute, then hands it back to me. Well,、uh, it isn't really safe to be out here in these conditions. Noted, I say. I was planning to be on my way soon, anyway. He stares at me again for a few more seconds, and gives a half a shrug. He turns and begins to walk towards a van parked only a few meters away. How didn't I hear a van approaching? And why did he park so close to me? I suppose he could have seen a reflection from the binoculars. I wait for him to leave. When he's gone, I put the book back in my pocket. I make my way towards the edge of the bridge, climbing over the railings. As I stand, peering over. My body and my mind engage in a familiar dance. My knees tense and loosen. My toes grip the fabric of my socks. Another time, perhaps, but not today. I glance to my left. A hundred meters down the bridge, there's another figure. Tonight really is the night. They teeter on the precipice. I wipe the raindrops from my binoculars. Thank you very much. It's quite a dark, menacing, dark right? Yeah. <laughs> I like it though. Yeah, you gave it a sort of poetic quality there. I think, Piers. Did oh, great. thank you. <laughs> It's very good. Thank you both so much for coming in, and then thank you for letting us know about your events. So、uh, we'll keep hearing about those. Great. Should I have some more music? Yes, yes.、Um, so as I mentioned earlier, the Field Day Festival is happening this weekend, and it's all about discovering new talent as well as seeing the bands that you love.、Um, and the festival curators are very good at predicting who to keep an eye on for the following year.、Um, so here's a band set for great things if you like indie guitar rock, Shine Nature. They hail from Liverpool, and their debut EP has already received. Plenty of attention.、Um, so, Shy Nature will be playing Field Day on Sunday, the eighth of June, and here、um, is their highly infectious track, "Lie Back." <laughs> Lie back on the chair. 
That was Lie Back by Shy Nature. So this week, uh, Melanie has been speaking to Charles Armstrong, who is from the Trampery, which is a shared workspace in Shoreditch. And they discussed a new venture, a collaboration between the Trampery and the Barbican, which is called Fish Island Labs. They live on fish and catch them by diving on them from a great height. For those who don't know, where exactly is Fish Island? Is it an actual island? <laughs> it isn't an actual island, but it feels like one, I think is the best way to put it. Uh, Fish Island is Hackney Rick's lesser-known sibling, just to the south. It's evolved over the last 20 years to become uh, the UK's uh, densest concentration of artists, and, and really that was the logic for, for choosing that as the appropriate location to do Fish Island Labs. And there's a, there's a great poetic juxtaposition between the Barbican Centre, which obviously is London's largest arts and culture centre, and then this very, very different world in Hackney Wick and Fish Island being the largest concentration uh, of artists. So we've taken the first floor, 8,000 square feet, of a beautiful uh, Victorian uh, multi-storey stable block that's actually overlooking the river. It's a beautiful site, uh, and we're in the thick of, uh, of fitting it out uh, right now. That'll be completed uh, by the end of next week. Fish Island Labs is really the first experiment to bring the kind of structure and methodology that's more associated with a, a technology incubator over into the arts and culture sector and use that as a way to hothouse emerging talent from a very wide spectrum of, uh, of media and forms, but with the, the central factor that, that everybody there will in some way be working at the, the bridge between the arts and technology. It's not our first collaboration with the Barbican. Uh, we actually worked with them uh, on a month-long project last summer called Hack the Barbican, Everything from um, interactive theatre pieces to uh, installations that took over the Barbican's information screens, uh, which in many ways was uh, the prototype for, for what we're now doing at Fish Island Labs. We wanted to find the, the appropriate way to take forward the energy and the community that uh, had, had, had been given birth by Hack the Barbican gradually the idea of, of some kind of uh, longer-term space. It's not a permanent project, it's really just for, for one year, uh, but a longer-term project that would bring together a cohort of uh, innovators uh, across a wide spectrum and then work with them much more closely uh, over, over that period. There's a whole strand of the, the project which is about not just uh, supporting uh, the the artists in developing their, their practice, but also helping them to develop their careers and thinking about uh, how they can organise themselves to advance the work that they're passionate about whilst also making a living from it. And I think that's going to become a more and more important element uh, in the arts and culture landscape. It's very clear that, that the patronage-based world uh, that, that that artists used to be prepared for uh, is not the future that, that people are facing now. But we're also going to be working with the Barbican to bring in all kinds of people who have become renowned around the world for the work that they're doing, get them in to talk about that uh, and tell their own stories and, and, and help to provide the experience that comes from that. There will also be a network of established figures uh, who, who are contributing as mentors. So there'll be quite a broad range of ways in which the people who are part of Fish Island Labs will, will, will get support. Who is going to be part of Fish Island Labs? What's the process of getting people inside the building? Will they pay to be there? Will they be funded? How will it work? There is an application form uh, that is at barbican.org.uk slash fishisland. Uh, there are also details on the Tramperies website at thetrampery.com. That application is open until Monday, the 2nd of June. We're really eager to hear from the widest possible range of people, not just people from a fine arts background, people who might come from 
uh, a software engineering background and, and are doing algorithmic work, people who might come from the humanities or a completely unrelated field but have developed uh, a practice that's, that's relevant to the project. It doesn't matter what background people are coming from, it doesn't matter what education they've had, we're really only interested in what they want to do and bringing together a very diverse cohort. Facilities that are available will reflect uh, that mixture of different disciplines, that there's uh, a set of beautiful studio spaces there for people who need an enclosed space. There will also be uh, desks and workbenches in an open plan environment for people where that's the appropriate habitat. Uh, and, and finally, there's a, a, an event space uh, where uh, performances will take place, where people who uh, are doing larger scale uh, practice will we'll be able to set that up and where also a lot of the, the seminars and, uh, and workshops will happen. Uh, the participants who make it through and are selected, we will be asking them to uh, pay for participation in the project but we've pegged that at an extremely affordable level in addition to which uh, there are bursaries available. Uh, the participants who make it through and are selected uh, we will be asking them to uh, pay but we pegged that an extremely affordable level, in addition to which there are bursaries available. The talk about getting people from very different sorts of backgrounds is the idea that they will almost sort of teach each other. Essentially, you have a group of people who are concerned with creativity and developing their practice, uh, that if I've come from a fine arts background uh, and I'm very interested in using a digital technology as part of that, then to be in an environment where there are software engineers and people who come from that world uh, opens up a whole range of possibilities and gives me the facility just to ask off-the-cuff questions and get suggestions that I wouldn't have if I was only working in an environment with fine arts uh, people. There are a variety of ways uh, that the, the Fish Island uh, Centre will be linked back to the, the mothership of the Barbican <laughs> Centre. Most important of all, every single artist who's developing work uh, at Fish Island, will have the opportunity to showcase that back in the main Barbican Centre. Your last chance to apply for this exciting project is 11pm tonight, so get your skates on if you want to be part of Fish Island Labs. Um, no, not much time at all. Um, so now for some more music. Um, I've played something from this ethereal duo Smoke Fairies before, um, but they are playing in East London again. So I thought I'd play another track from their um, album, Strange Moon Rising, which uh, was released in April. And um, they're about to go on tour to promote the album and will be playing at XOYO on Monday, the 2nd of June. So here's Smoke Fairies with Smoke Inversions.
That was Smoke Fairy singing Shadow Inversions. Thanks for that, Pearl. And we've got Zoe Bryant in the studio, and um, hopefully she's going to be our regular um, art uh, critic, reviewist, specialist, expert. So many words to describe her. Um, but she knows about the first Thursdays, which is... Um, First Thursdays of the month. I'm going to get Zoe to tell me more in the art world. Uh, so, Zoe, um, how are you, firstly? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Welcome. And um, can you explain the, uh, the First Thursdays? I can, yeah. Um, it's uh, a late-night East London art event that showcases new exhibitions um, at over 150 galleries around East London, and it happens on the first Thursday of every month. Um, there are private views, talks, workshops, and there's free bus and walking tours also. And it's a, I mentioned earlier, it's a Time Out and uh, Whitechapel Gallery Great. collaboration. So if you go on, the, uh, on, on a Thursday, if you're interested in going to the First Thursdays, you can go on to the Whitechapel Gallery website? Uh, there's actually a First Thursdays website, uh, firstthursdays.co.uk, and it's got all the months and um, chosen great exhibitions. Map to show because there's so many things yeah. going on they've yeah. got this kind of interactive map which is excellent cause, so you can just work out where the clusters are of events. the closest ones yeah so you don't because you can spend a lot of time trekking from one place and, to and another. planning as well yeah. and yeah. queuing <laughs> some places you know if if a place has a queue it's going to be amazing well, That's true. This is the thing. There's only so many you can see on one Thursday as well. So so many, so many you can pick out. So um, is there a top five? There um, is an official top five. Um, Pablo Delgado at the Howard Griffin Gallery. Oh, I've been to that one. Oh, have you? Good. Yeah, um, I can recommend that too. <laughs> okay, good. Um, Georgie, I'm not entirely sure if it's male or female. Georgie, <laughs> it's not spelt like normal Georgie. Georgie Pinkhasoff at um, Magnum, Magnum Photos. Liam O'Connor at Studio 1.1. Anne Jinkyun at HADA Contemporary. And Jamie Shaw, um, he's got a show called Strange Attractors. So that's the official top five. Mm. So um, I recommend these... checking those out. Like your top five. <laughs> um, I have a top two. Um, the ones that I would most like to go to Arcade at Beach which is on Cheshire Street is a two month celebration of retro gaming and 8-bit culture six wow. artists wow. including previous beach artists John Bergerman and Malarkey who I've seen I've seen work by both of those um, they've all been assigned a arcade gaming machine um, with games on such as Donkey Kong Pac-Man etc and they have to create work inspired by the machine they've been given and at the end of the show the top scorer on, a, on each machine will win the artwork that's associated with wow. the machine that's a great, I assume that means visitors incentive to go yeah, down it's a good it? idea yeah. um, and that ends on the 29th of June so if you want to go and have a go on the machines then you've got couple of weeks a few weeks there's enough time computer game the, the great thing also about first thursdays is discovering galleries that you just didn't know there's existed. so many there are so many just hidden galleries in east yeah, london so yeah they're all the kind of big institutions but then going to all these little exhibitions um is always lots of fun yeah probably the biggest one is, is the white chapel but all the others apart from that are just really small ones and do you that... think people actually go to see or is it just like one, uh, it's a kind of street it ends up being a bit of a street party I think so I mean I think maybe people go because a lot of them are the first days of the exhibitions the private views so maybe a lot of people go to them but you can obviously go to you don't have to go on the Thursday you could just see a couple of things and then you've still got you know probably a month to to check out the I others, it's not one There's a lot only. of drinking involved. Probably private views. <laughs> oh, yeah, people just go <laughs> free alcohol. So yeah, I'm so, sure that's true. So there's a, potentially a free glass of something if you go. If it's on a, Thursday. if the exhibition is having its private view coinciding with first Thursdays, I would imagine there'll be some free alcohol. Yeah, and so. maybe a bit of networking as well. Networking that's it. always a good good place to do it. Yeah. Nice. What I actually like about it is that, especially, I, I, I tend to go to the ones located around Brick Lane, and sometimes I go up to Shoreditch, but it depends uh, on how many people I'm actually hanging out with because we go as a group. And um, it's actually quite fun because you start seeing the, the small ones, they are really close to each other, in Brick Lane at least. So you can see loads of different exhibitions and then um, just head somewhere else. But it's good that you, you can see loads of them within you know, a short period of time. Yeah. At least, at least for myself, I have a busy life. You get your, your, so, uh, you know. Yeah, you get your dose of art like, exactly. all in one day. Yeah, just get it all, all near each other, yeah. <laughs> 
Great. And meet people as well, potentially. So, yeah, nice, yeah. nice night out. Um, so you've you've been having a look at the upcoming exhibitions. I have, yeah. And uh, you've got a couple of favourites. Um, yeah, well, us, uh, that was out. one of mine. Arcade at Beach, the um, gaming machine one. Um, I definitely want to see that. Another one called East London Group of Artists from Bow to Biennale, uh, oh, 1928. We, um, oh, you know about it? Yeah. Oh, are you? Okay. Because we did uh, a live show, a uh, radio show from Chris Street in okay. Poplar, and um, I actually interviewed the organisers oh, of this of, exhibition. Of, yeah, and oh, it sounds right. amazing, and no it one really knows good. about this East London group that was around I kind of in the them. 30s and, uh, yeah, very influential, but totally vanished so they're kind of trying to bring them back and get get and yeah just bring them back into the limelight yeah it said they were all a group of working class east end painters who then became world-renowned artists and this exhibition at the nunnery on bow road is a rare opportunity to see all the paintings gathered in one place so it does sound very good good. and it's paintings of is it of yeah, I think it's paintings of East London. Or not, necessarily, not necessarily, but um, it's just this group that got together and they, they actually kind of, um, there were workshops um, where they learnt to paint and then oh, some, okay. and then a lot of them have been in exhibitions with much bigger artists like Picasso or Turner and things like that. Yeah. So they, they've they've had, you know, they've, they've, they had their moment but were just completely forgotten about. Okay, I recognise a couple of the names actually. Walter Sickert and Albert Turpin, I'm sure I've heard of those too. Sure, they're quite well known. So that's from Bow to Biennial, yeah, or Biennale. I wasn't sure how to say it. (laughs) One's Italian, one's English. Um, Yeah, at the Nunnery on Bow Road until thirteenth of July. I have to check the pronunciation of that. Yeah, I looked it up, but there's two options. Okay. Yeah, doesn't matter. Okay. Great and. very exciting. Um, so you yourself, you 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 have your own kind of Twitter uh, Twitter feed. Um, yes. Tell us about that. Well, it's on Twitter. It's Time Art London, which is how Martha originally tracked me down. I just started a Twitter account um, just to keep track of East London art exhibitions because I kept writing them down, the ones I wanted to go to, and then I forget about them. So then I thought, why don't I just set up a Twitter thing to help remind me and obviously for other people to see. So it's, yeah, Time Art London, if you want to have a look. Um, It's just East London art exhibitions. And I'm trying to do one review a a week, but I haven't quite managed that recently. But yeah, there should be soon uh, a review a week. Um, Great. Yeah. So people like me who are thinking, where shall I go and see art in East London today? I stumbled upon your your Twitter page and um, yeah, and Zoe can kind of uh, give you hints and things on where to go. So yeah, yep, very good. So guide. Yep, check it out. Follow. We'll be here once a month. Once a month is the plan. Yeah, to talk about East London art exhibitions and particularly first Thursdays. So, yeah, once a month. And you also have a radio show. I do, yes. (laughs) You're Um, allowed to plug it, we don't (laughs) mind. Okay. Um, (laughs) On Hoxton Radio on Fridays, 2 till 4, I do a new music and... um, yeah, I do talk about East London art as well on there, but it's mostly about music. So two to four. Have any of the radio. bands? Are any of the bands familiar? That um, Courtney Barnett, yes. Hoxton Radio, have definitely been plugging recently. So yeah, I knew I of her. She's, she's... Um, I'd heard of Smoke Fairies, but I don't think I've ever listened to them. But yeah, I liked I liked the music you played. Oh, nice, yeah. thank you. So <laughs> approval, that, approval. Yeah. that kind of links us beautifully into some more music. Thank you so That's so okay. much for coming. So the best way to describe this next artist, Only Real, is lazy, (laughs) but effective. Um, He's really young looking. He's from West London and he sort of half raps over swirling indie guitars about kind of everyday life. Um, His videos, basically him and his mates kind of hanging out and doing skater stuff. Um, Probably, yeah, I'm not going to say any more, but actually... uh, Besides the fact that it sounds kind of lazy, it's actually um, really, really nice sound. I, I really enjoyed um, listening to this. So um, you can see for yourself because um, he's playing a free gig at the Ace Hotel on Tuesday, the 3rd of June. So this is Only Real with Lemonade.
window shots coming on and off Slow it begins thrown firm This a wander off a hot kid that searches for her at its worst blurting the church first heard in the cuts Make it a market like he's done since 91 A taste for he's certain the life is the type of one Life is come excitement, comes with shit The hits and fights and stunts and tricks and kicking licks and stick with wit that sick and bites the time This might be it, the pirate ship is stuck in the dirt Fighting it, we're knuckling worse He knuckles and work for enough Get out as type of kids with lips sticks If this is it, the only real way now Kick the shit, my lips are dished They're owned in the playground Honed it in ways, now it's known as the great sound Shut the tide that took me by the brushes in the grave now And that was Only Real with Lemonade. And early on, we, we just heard from Zoe about uh, what's happening in the art world in Eastland in the next coming weeks for the first Thursdays. Um, we've got a few more ideas. Um, Anna, what are the listings you've got? Yeah, for this week, there's quite a few things happening. Um, you can catch a play about the persecution of gay people in the... Um, by the Nazis in the 1930s. Um, it's called Bend and it happens at the Wells Church Hall, um, somewhere that you wouldn't necessarily go to, which is Leytonstone. So just go there, just try a few different things, like we suggest. I think it's um, healthy to go to different areas in East London. Tickets are £8. Um, you can find all the details on our blog. And also a very that. interesting subject matter as well. Yeah, you exactly. Don't, you don't normally hear about the persecution. Especially with the people. Eurovision situation lately. That has been brought up a lot. But let me just keep it short. You've been talking a lot about at Eurovision on uh, on <laughs> Facebook and Twitter, yes. I've noticed. Are we talking well, transsexual Latin? I am sorry. It's something that I've seen since I was really young. It's is something that I care. Yes. <laughs> um, all right, going back to the listings. Um, throughout the week, uh, there's Rhodes, which is a glowing tale of cities from the crumbing decay of the cadent buildings to the sparks of light that uh, hang over the landscape after sunset. I so have no idea what that this means. This is a description of you might see. <laughs> as I'll just put it beautifully. I mean that um, this is a show and uh, Tyrimus is um, an artist and he will be painting live on the walls of the Hoxton Hotel um, 
and he started last Monday, the 26th of May, and um, you should be able to see his photorealistic oil painting on canvas, which is just exactly what I just told you about. Um, uh, it's, it's kind of like pitching an idea, and uh, that will uh, blend into the surroundings. Wait, wait. So, is, it, is he painting on the outside of the Hoxton Hotel or on the inside? Do we know? We don't know. To go Do and we find know? out. We'll yeah, well, there out. will be a wall involved and canvas. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure if you can paint outside that hotel, I think. So it should be maybe inside. Either way, moving into Friday, 6th of uh, June. So House of Mosses. Should I pronounce it like this? I think it's Muses. Muses, because it's related to the Museum of London, so that wouldn't make sense. Uh, it's um, a new and playful but temporary structure outside the Museum of London. So it um, acts as a space for visitors to think about and share their thoughts on the future transformation of the museum that's going to happen. And actually, it's going to... Go and, Coincide. Coincide. Um, sorry, with uh, the London Festival of Architecture. It's a free event and doors open uh, at 10 a.m. So yeah, and the London that. Festival of Architecture is happening all over the place this week. Loads of buildings to go and look at and admire. So definitely, I'm sure there's lots of East London events happening as East London is full of amazing buildings. That's what I love about East London. You're just walking around and you find amazing stuff going on and is you, you have no excuse to be boring just walk around and find amazing things exactly <laughs> yeah so uh for the next week i actually have uh, something happening on monday the 9th uh, of june so keep an eye for the emerging filmmakers at the limelight film awards and this is um an an annual short film competition uh that's um kind of based within 14 film categories happens at the troxy he, uh, and basically there's 500 filmmakers that will be there and there's a red carpet awards ceremony because it's exciting you know everything needs to everything that's related to film must have a red uh, a red carpet ceremony Absolutely. that's what i think at least um and then there will be live performances and even an after party with a dj and dance floor so doors open at 6.30 and tickets are £16.20. There are still some tickets that I have checked. Very precise wow. pricing there. Uh-huh, exactly. <clears throat> so loads of other stuff are happening, but check our uh, website. Oh, I just wanted to oh, butt in. So just else? one one little one. Uh, so the Stoke Newton Literary Festival is on uh, the 6th till the 8th of June. And um, so tickets are out. And they've got some, some big names, including Ray Davis from The King. So um, it's going. For, it's been going for a few years, um, but yeah, th this one uh, looks like it's going to be a good one. So check out their website for the details. Yeah, and don't forget to check also our Twitter <laughs> and Facebook, where we tell you what you can do if you're bored or not, or if you're looking for plans to do. Um, our website is Eastcast Show. Same thing on um, actually it's eastcastle.com you are missing something I think, I think we basically just know everything that's going on in East London don't we of course we're, so we're we are a guide yeah. now with Zoe here we're going to be just the ultimate guide for East London's happening no one needs to go anywhere else for information but also so. Pearl anything uh, great to finish the show with as always yes yes and I'm going to use the word that we love this is exciting um, I'm <laughs> uh, any excuse listen to, to us yes um, any excuse to play a bit of uh, Brant Brow Frick big fan um, they're playing at the Oval Space I'm going to be there on Thursday the 5th um, so I couldn't resist playing something from this German trio who combine live percussion and keys with banging electronic beats just up my street um and it's really original it's kind of offbeat a lot um and it makes you dance and this is quite an old track it's from their um you make me real album and it's called mi corazon by brant browfrick thanks for listening 